We've been talking a lot about unity. I felt like this morning, though, I want to talk a little bit about, well, the title of my message, if I were to ever have a title, <laughs> would be, He is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And we spoke last week, we, I shared out of Ephesians, and in the Amplified, it says, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature. Get a hold of that, guys. Completely discard your former nature. Now, that's not even saying good or bad. It's like just get rid of the old to make way for the new which is being corrupted through deceitful desires and be continually renewed in your spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated, the renewed nature created in God's image, God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God the gratefulness, the gratitude of your salvation. We talked some about, out of Mark 2, about no one puts new wine in old wineskins. Why? Because it expands, it, it bursts the wineskins. And so in this scripture, it's, it's not that the old wineskins don't work. They work, but they can't handle the new wine. It's not that they've failed. And that is what the Lord is trying to say to prepare our hearts for what he's going to do. That's why we've been speaking on all these different things. We've been speaking on preparation for years because we know God is going to move in a powerful way. It's not for any ulterior motive. You know, we, we've been talking about all this stuff because God is wanting to move in a powerful way that's greater than any revival awakening we've seen in the past. We have more people on planet Earth than all the years combined. Back to the 1700s or something. I think that's the stat. Populations exploded. When God is going to move, we're talking millions upon millions upon millions of salvations. People coming to Jesus, encountering him. This is going to be an incredible time. We've had waves of God's move, right? You all remember Repentance Sunday. That was a highlight in my life in the ministry where Hours and hours and hours people came forward. But it's been waves. It's been spots. It's been God saying, like, I'm going to give you a little taste of what's going to come. And I'm telling you, when God pours out revival, and I use that term loosely, broadly, when God pours out revival, it's not going to be like we've seen before. It's going to be completely different. It's like I shared last week. Totally new. We don't have verbiage. We don't have ideas of what it's going to look like. We just know it's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. It's going to be unprecedented. It's going to be something that God is only glorified for because everyone's going to say, wow, this is so beyond human ability. It's what Steph shared a little bit ago. We've had worship encounters. You've had those times where you just started weeping in worship because God's power was so strong. The fear of the Lord hit the place. You know what I'm talking about. You've tasted it. You've seen the goodness of God. Visitors being drawn. You know, like I shared last week, people just showing up at the door because all week they couldn't get out of their mind. I got to go find a church. Deliverance and breakthroughs. 
How many of you have personally been set free in ways? Like some of you, I'm looking at some faces. You've been, you've been saved by God. You've been brought out of darkness into his light. That is the most remarkable miracle that we could ever experience, witness anything to come into a whole new creation that you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. How about healings? How many of you have been healed by God in this very place? I, was, I had your name down, Terry, our very own Terry. John Shea, multiple times, cancer. How about Brooke Morrill? Just recently, I mean, listen, we forget these great things like massive, massive miracles in our midst where God says, look at, look at how awesome I am. I'm going to take away cancer. I'm going to heal a girl who's sick in the hospital. We forget, we're, we're so much like the Israelites, guys. We make fun of them when we read the Bible, but we are grumblers, complainers, forgetting what the Lord has done. we got to be real with this and realize, not on our watch. We will not succumb to those human, old self things. We're going to renew our mind daily. We're going to stay on the cutting edge. We're going to watch our words. We're going to speak life. Listen, we got to, and we got to be a community committed to it. We got to spur one another. This whole thing about application and life groups, folks, it is not just like a little pet peeve or something we're, we're going after. The church must apply truth. We must live as a transformed people that are set apart, that stand out from everybody else because. And, and I'll, I'm sorry, like, you don't look around and inspired all over the place by transformed lives. You have little things here and there. But, like, I, I'm not going to just be happy with someone who learned not to lose their temper. Like, let's go after shining, radiating, glorious type of stuff. Like, walking by someone and having them healed by your shadow. Things that we read about in the Bible. Don't settle for status quo. Come on. How about this? Prophetic words being fulfilled. Like 2006, land, wealth, souls. And it happens in that exact order in an undeniable way. 2006 is when God gave us that promise. And I'm telling you, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make up a 100-acre farm appearing and our land committee finding it. And then saying, this meets all and more than what we ever dreamed of. Because they spent months coming up with criteria of what our property would look like. And this met all of them. And I remember Kit Plummer coming and saying, Sean, I think we might have found the place. And that was just half of it. So we got that and we got this side. God fulfilled amazing things to us. 17 years it's been since we got that promise. You can't make this up. You can't make up 50 to 100 people. I don't know the exact count, but when I asked in the tent how many people have experienced substantial financial increase, not just a little raise at work, substantial. 50 people or more raised their hands. That, folks, you can't make that happen. Only a giant creator God can do that. And cause a groundswell of prophetic fulfillment 
This stuff is not a joke. It's not some like spin on things. This is God performing his greatness in our midst. I feel like we need to make a big wall to remember what the Lord's, look what the Lord has done wall. With pictures, healings, provisions, testimonies. Let it be video, let it be written, let it be art, let it be. We just got to remember what the Lord has done. We minimize everything. We forget constantly. And then we go like, oh, I'm depressed. Why? Because I just don't know if the Lord's going to meet this need I have. Like, really, is that where our energy should be going to? Is to worry about whether God will meet a need that you have in your life. There's greater things. There's bigger things. Like, the big plan that God has for planet Earth. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Listen, there's like, I don't know if you've heard, you probably all have heard about, how many have heard about the Asbury Revival that seems to be kind of breaking out? Raise your hands. Oh, you did. You announced it. Did you share about it? Well, I wasn't going to. I was just going to kind of share that, like, there's, there's hope in the land, folks. People are saying, like, is this going to be another revival? This happened on a college campus, and college students just beginning to repent. It was like our Repentance Sunday. No one wanted to leave. No one wanted to go home. It just kept going. You know, one person said the Holy Spirit was in the room. Chains were broken. Confession happened, and God was praised as holy, holy, holy. There was many testimonies. You know, the thing that is striking as well is that you know, at this place, people are driving from all over the place to go and experience worship there. All over, just a gravitation to experience God's presence. I remember, like, I, I shared a little bit about, like, um, the McGlashans. My friends came, met Jesus, been coming since, and they asked, like, what's this big thing that Stephanie was talking about? This was several weeks ago. And um, I said, well, you know what you all experienced? Like all week you were plagued by this thought of God and you just came? Well, this big thing is that happening all over the globe. People all of a sudden just saying, we got to go to church. We got to experience God. We, I'm hungry. I want to know him. I haven't thought about him all, all my life, but this week. <laughs> He's coming. He is coming, folks. This is going to happen right in our midst. I'm telling you. God gives us this Isaiah 61 blueprint for experiencing restoration, healing, deliverance, all of these things, the things that we experience all the time. Every time we have an encounter, people are set free so that we might become this community like trees planted firmly in the ground. In community, this is symbolic of community, a planting, deep relationships, rich sharing, authenticity, genuine people, community, sharing. And then this, these people who were once captive and blind get set free and they begin to transform society, turn upside down cities. They go and they rebuild desolations of generations. Ethan, 
Can I use our, our, can I use an example from your, our discussion? Is that okay? Ethan is, uh, just recently hired him as my assistant. He's amazing, and I love him, but I think, I don't know, you came, you basically came to the Lord after you took that job, right? Technically, I think. I mean, he was, he was raised familiar with Christianity and things like that. Then he really had, he started coming to church. We started having these conversations, and I just said, wow, I think he might be the one. He might be someone who will, so anyway, he's now helping me, and he's a huge blessing. He's passing the test of a grueling first two weeks, but um, then he really just, God starts coming upon his life, and just recently, he's like, I want to be baptized. We baptized me. And I'm saying, folks, this, there is a groundswell of people that are going to come to the Lord and press in, and God is going to unleash destinies, things like that. I really believe that God's called you for such a time as this. There is something happening in your heart, your mind, your life. Everything is going to come into convergence. You're going to be amazed at what God is going to do, Ethan. Anyway, I'm just picking on him. But there's so many of you in this same situation. God is going to unleash destinies in your hearts, your minds, that you've waited for your whole life. You knew something, that God had placed something in your heart. I'm telling you, I hear this song, dry bones are rattling. We'll get ready after. We're going to speak to the dry bones. Listen to this. There's, this is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise. Make a dead man walk again. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm going to live. Going to live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Pentecostal fire. Fire. Stirring something new. You're not going to run out of miracles anytime soon. Resurrection power runs in my veins too. Let it be in Tina, Lord. Let resurrection power run in her veins all the way through her heart, her circulation system. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just ask the man who is thrown on the bones of Elisha. If there's anything he can't do, no, no, no. Just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden what happens when God says to move. I feel him moving now. I feel him doing it now. Do it now. Rattle, rattle, rattle. God said live. God said live. Hear the word of the Lord. And that's what it's about, folks. The people of God using the word of the Lord to shift circumstances. I mean, even now, we have prayer time, and you just say, please, just pray and, and declare as though the Lord were saying it. People don't get it. Then they start going, oh, Lord, please. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a prayer that asks God to do something. But, folks, there is a day coming and what he is preparing the body for is to yield great authority where we are stirred by the Holy Spirit and we say, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. In the name of Jesus, I speak to this circumstance. Shift. And it was God speaking through you to change things. It's not you. It's God speaking through you. You are a tool, a vessel, and you're declaring it as sure as the Lord is declaring it through you. 
That's what prophetic prayer is. That's what shifting things in prayer is. It's not just saying, oh, Lord, if it be your will, hear from the Lord and begin to release it and shift things. I mean, this sounds simple, but I don't see many people even in the body doing this. A few and far in between, a handful that literally will go and begin to declare and shift once they hear from the Spirit of the Lord and be used as a tool, a sledgehammer to Satan and his principalities and powers. Oh, come on. I'm just going to shift into like a couple practical implications and then we're just going to pray. Because this is, the heart of my message is he's coming. And we've talked all kinds of things. We've talked about uh, preparing. We've talked about unity. We've talked about all these things. And it's, it's all toward one aim. There's no ulterior motive. It's like, folks, people get ready. People get ready. And we're forerunners, folks. We're not like talking about something that's going to happen tomorrow. We are a people who are prophetic. We see things coming years ahead. I'm living five years in the future as far as goals and, and you know, what, what I feel is in my heart rumbling, what I'm laboring for. I don't see it clearly. I know, though, that I know what I need to do to prepare. You're blessed you're in a, in a I mean, a lot of churches might have one apostolic folk in it. One Ephesians 4 team, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. You have like a whole team of them because this place is destined to be a hub, an airport, a place of sending and going, a center for ministries, regional transformation, global transformation. It's not just so you, oh wow, we're so wonderful. No, we're not. We're going to stand before the living God and have to give an account of the great resource that we've been given. This is like fear of the Lord stuff. There's two implications I see, and I want to challenge you today because, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a massive thing that God has set before us. One is leadership. We need fat leadership. Fat means not like me. I'm learning so much. We've been, we've been on a diet since January. We had a leadership offsite, right? And it was so funny because everyone, we went around and we shared like just the top goal in our personal family and church life. And almost everybody on the leadership team, the elders and the E4 team, are talking about my personal goals. I need to get in shape. I need to eat right. Now, I know New Year's is a big time for that, but we've never had that happen where everyone, there's this agreement across the board. Anyway, so I made a joke at the end of the year saying, yeah, New Year's going to be a big thing. Watch this. Everyone behold, I'm going to lose a lot of weight. <laughs> but it's happening, and, I'm, and it's like a season in time, and I see God just, he's speaking. There's, it's transformation time, folks transformation not just in in our bodies but transformation in our body mind and spirit it's time for total renovation of the body we need to let go of the old things let go of the past and move into what God has for us it's a new day it's a new season it's a new way and so when I talk about leadership faithful available and teachable 
All three of those elements have to be present. Faithful, you need to be strict and thorough in the performance of duty. That's what that word means. Available, you have to be available. And part of, part of our lack of leadership is availability. It's like, it's praying that God would open up lives to make room for him in serving his people. That's the biggest hindrance to leadership. It's not that people aren't faithful. It's not that they're not teachable. It's that there's not availability. And we have seasons of our life that we just aren't available. There's things happening. There could be family situations, all kinds of things. There's, there's seasons, there's times. But what God is trying to do is, and this has been for years, we've been talking about this, that God is, we have to call out and say, God, show us, teach us, make us aware of what we need to do to accommodate you, to make room for you and what you want to do in our hearts and lives, in our minds, make room. So there's teachable and that is you're willing to actually learn and become aware, teachable. It means you're, you're willing to adapt and change because you actually learn. And that, that old adage that says old dogs can't learn new tricks, it doesn't apply to new creations in Christ. I don't care how old you are and how set in your ways. The Spirit of the Lord created you, and he created you to keep growing and changing. So to hell with that lie. We need genuine disciple makers to welcome people to Jesus. To make true, established, authentic disciples who will make disciples. They'll meet Jesus and start testifying and giving their lives away immediately. This is how it's going to happen. People are going to be saved, and they're instantly going to reach out to their family, start leading their family, developing friends, um, leading friends to the Lord, coaching them, teaching them. It's not going to be like, wait, and in a couple years, you might be able to start sharing your faith with other people. It's going to be instantaneous. People are going to be saved and then begin to start pouring out their lives in other people. There's always someone that you're more mature than. You might even be three days more mature, but you have an experience that you've experienced before them that puts you in a place where you're able to give. Part of this leadership thing is that we have to understand application and model it in order to help others walk in a vibrant new Christian life and community. And this is why application is so important, because not many are doing it. People go through first principles, and they're like, yeah, I've, I've been through that. But their lives aren't ex expressing those principles. And that's what makes it so difficult, because you're like, yeah, they've been through it twice, but they're not expressing the first principles of the faith. They're not living it. That's a disconnect. If we aren't, if we ain't living it, we don't get it. Or we're extremely rebellious which I would think that most are just not getting it. That's my hunch. We got to express and live out the word or it's not the word. If you're not living it, if you're not seeing it in your life, active, alive, it's not really there. When a seed is truly planted in good ground, what happens? It just stays there for years. It grows. There's budding. Do you think anyone else sees budding when a seed grows? 
when a seed pops out of the ground? Do you think people observe that? Well, then why would they not, ex- not actually acknowledge the seed planted in your heart that's growing? Why would they not acknowledge, whoa, something is happening to you? You are growing. You are changing. That's evident. I, I look around. I see a lot of people who are growing. They're changing. They're growing. There's something God's doing in their hearts, their minds. You know, we've been talking about unity. Well, wait, before I move on, if you don't have growth and change happening in your own life because you're applying the word, you are not going to help other people practically walk out their faith. Do you understand that? You're going to reproduce a stagnant individual that isn't able to process truth and applied truth for transformation. You see that? The only way you can help someone grow is if you're growing. And some of the the, the shortcoming of growth is tragic. And it's so evident. It's like a sore thumb sticking out. Someone with an ailment that's sticking out. Because they've been through 5 million leadership series and 20 million first principles. I'm exaggerating. And they're saying things that are completely contrary to them. And it's like Steph shared the, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, she was like, the interns are seeing it because they're being immersed in first principles. Two times a week, just immersing themselves. Transformation, plus they're younger, right? (laughs) Oh, Terry, young at heart. Quicker to learn. I, I don't want to, I want to, I, my prayer is, Lord, let me be like a sponge. I, as I get older, I don't want to not be able to learn as quickly. I know that's the stats, but I want to defy those as a spirit-filled believer. I want to learn and grow and take things in and retain. I'm like, God, cause me to be a way, wise sage. I want to just flourish with wisdom and knowledge and learning. I don't want to ever grow dull. But it's like she said, there's, the interns are looking and they're, they're found wanting of really mature role models that actually speak and live what they're actually immersing themselves in, which is the scripture and the first principles. Are you following me, folks? Are you getting me? Because it's one of those New England moments where I just see everyone's face like this. People come and speak here from outside New England, and I'm like, just like, it's okay. This means they're thinking. <laughs> That's New Englanders thinking. It's a good sign. <laughs> it is so true, though, I'm telling you. <laughs> and when you make a good point, it's silent. <laughs> it's New England. <laughs> now, where Kanisha's from, it's like, Amen, preach it, yes, uh-huh, yes, woo, oh yeah, preach it, preacher, right? Different culture, it's in the book. See, you guys know these phrases and you don't even use them. What the? Another part of this leadership aspect is that unity, we've been talking a lot about it, but it doesn't mean conformity. That is not what we want. We don't want a bunch of united in Christ. We are united in Christ. 
come to the crossing. Come to the crossing. We want diversity. We need diversity. We need diversity. Unity, it means diversity is coming together in a way that produces synergy. See, there's diversity, but there's still unity and heart and purpose and mission and vision. There's a clear call together. What if your hand didn't listen to your brain? You'd just be like, no one hits themselves. That's not healthy emotional behavior. Okay? Unity is the hand, the brain saying, hand, don't hit me. You're going to go down. You're going to do what I want to do. That's unity. The hand is very different than the brain. Could you imagine if we had like a hand as a brain? It would just be weird. Every part of our body functions with the other parts to create a united front in such complexity. Synergy is the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of the separate effects. It means diversity that comes together, very different parts, forming one united front. It's that multifaceted wisdom of the body of Christ that comes together and is like a laser beam to destroy the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness, the sage. Romans 12.4, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is what I'm talking about last week. Individualism and its religion, humanism, destroys the church. We have to be as one body, many parts, all functioning differently. There's this another analogy in 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here's the question that you can take as life groups and discuss and really dig into and pray before your life group, that you would have something to share about your own life. God forbid if you spend your whole life group just summarizing what the message was. That's infantile. It's a distraction to what the real purpose is. The real purpose is that you talk about how this relates to me. So you'll discuss this. Will you sow, how will you sow your life as a leader? Leadership is just not an appointment. It is the act of surrender that we all have to one degree or another to lay down our life for another. That's original right there. That is good. Thank you. Leadership is not an appointment, not just an appointment, because it is an appointment. It is the act of surrender that we all have to one degree or another. You know, every believer is a leader. To lay down our life for another person. So you might be a leader in the sense that you will lay down your life for your household. You will lay down your life for your life group. 
You will lay down your life for your whole team that you're leading. You will lay down your life for whatever ministry you're overseeing. To what degree? So how will you sow your life as a leader? What does that look like for you? What does God say? We really don't care what you think. We don't care what I think. What does God say to you? How will you sow your life as a leader? And this should be, this should include you discussing the life group like, like, what does it mean to me? This message about leadership, what does it mean to me? He is coming. How will I lay down my life as a leader? And you need to be honest. Some of you might go and say, you know, when he said that, I just, I have no clue. Like, me? Why, how could I be a leader? And that's what you'd honestly share with your group. You would be honest and transparent and share what you really feel this word means to you. Be broad. Be diverse. Talk about the different ways that God is speaking to you, that you've been complacent or you've been hurt or you've been hesitant. What is it? What is it? How will you sow your life as a leader? What does that look like? Second place in this is place. So the two implications of revival, visitation, social transformation, this thing, this big thing that God's going to do when people all over the globe start coming to church, coming to Jesus, and form this visible inrush into the body of Christ, the household of faith. It's a place. The gospel was first preached in Genesis. In Galatians 3, it says, Understand then that those who have faith are sons of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and foretold the gospel to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now this gospel, when we go back to Genesis, started with leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house, and go to the land that I show you. This gospel that was first preached to Abraham started with a place. The whole thing was motivated by a place. I'm calling you. I want to show you a place. I, don't, I thought that was pretty amazing. The first time I saw it, really that clearly is that God is trying to establish a place to abide and pour out his spirit. Now, it continues to say, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. This is parallel to Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and begins to talk about all those people healed and set free, that they become a people of God, blessed. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So the second aspect I will form a community. I'll, you'll be like a tree planted. This is Isaiah 61, part B, that talks about God is going to establish you from being healed into a community that will have a great name and a great reputation. People will look and say, wow, these are the people of God. It will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So we have, I will bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. 
And then I'm going to go further, and everyone on the earth will be blessed through you. A passive blessing. You will affect the earth with blessing. Do you see that progression there? I thought that was amazing. I will make you, I will bless you. That's a personal thing, right? God's going to bless you. Then he goes further. I'm going to make you a blessing. So now you're not going to become a disciple. You're going to make disciples now. And then he says, and you know what? I'm going to bless you so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Now there's this incredibly high, powerful blessing where you are a passive blessing for all the nations of the earth. It's that part in Isaiah 61 where it says, I will use you to rebuild the desolations of generations. Foreigners will come and, til- and, and take care of your flocks. People will be drawn to you because of the wealth. And I mean that in all forms. Spiritual wealth, emotional wealth, material wealth. We've been indoctrinated, this is really important, by a reaction to the church using its resources, namely buildings, on itself. Okay, which, that's, that's tragic. You know, in, in the harvest session, if you've been to Encounter, one of the charts shows clearly that the church has a problem. It spends all its money, time, and resources on itself. It's building, it's program. We're going to have a Christian concert and bring people to the Lord. No, you're not. You're going to just entertain your folks. When do we spend the money on missions? And community outreach, like we do at our festivals. Incredible things, different events. We open our living room, bring people in. There's a reason we have secular bands at some of these outreach events. Because the world doesn't come for a Christian band. They want to hear their folks. And then we love and we welcome and say, come on, let's, let me show you Christ. Let me talk to you. Let me give you the gospel in authentic visual form. Come on, bro. Now I'm speaking his evangelistic language. But see, I want you to see this. That is wrong. When the church is absorbed by itself and loses its heart for mission, that's a problem. But see, we've been indoctrinated. Buildings are bad. That has been said for a long time. Why? Because the church has misused buildings on itself. That doesn't make it bad. The gospel started with God telling Abraham, leave your place you are and go to another that I'm going to show you. Now, I understand all of the symbolism and stuff like that too. But the point is that God still has in mind a place. What does a place do? You know, our promise started that God's intent is to build himself a people, a church, a family of families that's visible, tangible, and able to be experienced from the expression of a home all the way to an apostolic resource center. You know, we, you don't realize this, but like a place becomes a visible expression of the community it's in. That's a powerful result of a building or a property, Right? Way back in the day, there wasn't a visible, visible expression. We rented the school, and people would say, and there was nothing wrong with that. It's, we used it to get where God wanted to bring us. But back in that day, everyone's like, who are these people? Right? And I say that because people couldn't see a visible expression. They, couldn't, they can't wrap their head around these vague things. 
But then there's a property and a expanded property and there's a building and that generates community respect, visibility. People can see it becomes tangible. When people walk in your home, it's a tangible expression. Why? Because you own a home or you rent a home or something, but it's there. You're there 24-7. You live there. You can host people. You can give them meals, extend hospitality. It's tangible. There's nothing wrong with tangible places that are used, right? Our promise in God started in 2006. It started with land. A place gives this tangible expression. A place gives a home for a church network. A generational family, old, middle-aged, young, really young. You know what? I, I was looking back. We have... Uh, We've created these values. It's called the Crossings Five Thesis. But it's pretty amazing. And one of them was restore generational ministry that all will witness the discovery of inheritance. It's like four others, but I'm not going to share them yet because I'm going to let you wait and say, I wish I could hear those other four. A place gives a place to reach community, a community center for young and old to meet Jesus, evangelism. It's part of the reason why when we inherited this place and it had bingo, we weren't going to kick them out. It's a whole group of old people, mostly. There are some younger there. But I'm saying it's a whole group of old people that we could serve and love and care for. It's really a whole family in there. They know each other. They have known each other for decades. Their kids sometimes come with their mother and their grandmother. It's an incredible opportunity. I've led people to the Lord. I've seen people healed. One woman, she was French-Canadian, and she made these little, I don't know what the name is, but those little booties out of yarn. Yeah. Those little, the little shoes, Michel, you know? Mantouf? P.A. Pantouf? Pantouf. Anyway, she made me and Steph Pantouf. And she, was, she would bring her oxygen tank in all the time, and we prayed for her. And she, then one day she came, and she just said, I have to repent to you in tears, and said, I've been bitter at you and Steph for whatever it was. I don't even remember. And then we led her to the Lord, and she was set free. The next week she came in, her face was shining. And she passed like a month or two later. Came to the Lord, came into the kingdom. That we're a community center. It's a resource center, an apostolic airport for spontaneous expansion of the church. And, you know, you've seen us do missions and stuff, but, folks, it's nothing like it's going to happen. We are going to be a place. And the apostolic team right now is sowing into this body because we're in that prototype phase. We're in that establishing phase. We're, like, tilling the ground. I haven't been to Europe in I don't know how many years to visit all these different relationships we have all over Europe, churches and networks. And we've, we've stayed right here. There will be a day coming when the 
E4 team is traveling everywhere all the time. One of us might be here on a Sunday. There's a day coming of great expansion. And this is a destination. This idea, I'm just trying to summarize what God's spoken to us over the years. This place will be a destination. We're not just going to be, and this doesn't fit in people's heads, we're not going to just be a church. We're not going to just be a community center. We're not just going to be an apostolic airport. We're going to be a destination that's on the map that people come to for vacation. For several days, they'll come and they'll start walking through the gardens. They'll come to a special prayer service. They'll go and they'll, they'll go visit the farm. Their kids will come. They'll have programming. Do you get this in your, in your minds? It's more than this thing, this little cookie cutter thing. It's this big vision, this big idea for humanity. We're, we're working right now as quickly as possible. We're working with engineers, all kinds of people to make that steel building ready as soon as possible to accommodate us in this next phase. This place for church, for evangelism, family, children, youth center, and home for CLA. So this is the second question. Will you sow your life, your sustenance, the wealth that has been prophesied about, into building an Isaiah 61 center for this move and for generations to come? I mean, we want to have Austin 17 chapter here too and have this powerful way of reaching people, reaching young people in a whole different dimension. What does this look like for you? So you got two questions here. You know, and when you answer them, think broadly, not compartmentalize. You're saying, basically with these two questions, you're saying, what is your role in revival? And we're drilling down, helping you drill down and say, what does it look like? How will you sow your life into making this happen and accommodating, joining God's mission for the harvest? What, is, what does your life look like? What does it look like to sow it into what God is about ready to do? How will you make room? It might be making room. It might be like, I'm going to just help out in this role. This is where I feel God's called me to lead in. What level of leadership in what way will you sow your life into what God is about ready to do? Because you've got to start now. Two is, what way will you sow into building an Isaiah 61 center? And this, folks, listen, we're like, we're behind. We're catching up right now. And what I'm telling you is we got to get caught up and build for the future. Like right now, we're, we're behind, we're, we're building, we're catching up to even what God is doing now. Can you imagine if we tripled because of all the people coming to know Jesus? And that's what I'm saying. Imagine tripling. How are we going to disciple people? Our life groups are like the 12 little Indians. Remember that song you used to sing? 12 little 11 little 10 little Indians, 9 little 8 little 7 little Indians. Why? And it's all because I'm glad everyone got it at least.
I don't know. It's just a childhood song. Right. I'll keep it quarantined in the childhood song. <laughs> the point is, we have a leadership issue. What happens if we triple? We have to prepare. We can't just play catch up all the time. We got to prepare. We got to prepare. We got to prepare our hearts. We need more leadership. How will we handle? We can't even, we can't even grow by 25%. We won't fit in this building. And in the winter, it's not nice outside. I mean, for church and stuff. Lord, I just, I pray. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the outpouring of the Spirit. I thank you for your great love. I thank you for so many people being touched by your love, having encounters with you, your nature, who you are. I thank you this coming move is going to be a move of your nature. Your greatness, your goodness being poured out and so evident for everyone to see. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, guide us, lead us, step by step, Father. I pray for provision of hearts, willing hearts to be used by you to welcome in the great harvest. Lord, I pray for willing hearts to give, to fund, to extravagantly give back the wealth you've extravagantly given to us for what you want to do so we can accommodate, so we can be a container for the great harvest. I thank you for the households opening up to welcome people to come and discuss the word and how it applies to our hearts and how it challenges us to change and grow and be transformed. Come on, folks, begin to respond to God right now. Come on, begin to respond to God, and then we're going to just like, we're going to have a prophetic declaration of speaking to dry bones. You can do it for your own heart. You can do it for your family. You can do it for your life groups. And begin to speak to things that aren't as though they are. Speak to those things to rise up. Speak to those places in your heart that, that are shut down and speak to them to live again. But come on, let's start with responding to God. Respond to God and just as this word has hit you and those two challenges set before you, how will you sow your life into leadership as leaders? And how will you sow into the provision of a center? Prepare us, God. Come on, just begin to respond to God right now. Just talk to him just make it really personal before we get into a corporate thing of just beginning to declare and speaking life.